0: I learned this chili recipe from my uncle Ed. Ed took care of me uh, in my early 20s when I had a couple accidents, well, just not a couple, I had one major accident when I was 23 years old, and a bunch of reoccurring uh, surgeries for the years to repair what's going on. How am I looking? They're kind of small, right? That's okay. <laughs> but now you know, I've washed them like three times, and yeah, I'm going to crumble some meat, because that's how you begin your chilies, you throw a bunch of minced garlic in with about a pound of meat. This is 90% beef, 10% fat, and I'm gonna let the fat stay in there because I don't wanna pour it out and it makes it tasty. And so Uncle Ed, yeah, he he taught me this recipe because I didn't really know how to do anything as a kid in terms of cooking. I never learned to cook and it's something that I love doing now. Um, But yeah, he he taught me this recipe and you can innovate on it. This is a base chili recipe with the ingredients being ground beef, Uh, onions, peppers, there's garlic in here, some jalapenos if you like those. This is crushed tomatoes that I did in a Vitamix with some jalapenos crushed in. I don't use chili powder per se, I just like using the natural. And then there's of course black beans because kidney beans make me feel um, bubbly, so to speak. So you just wanna brown the meat, you know, and then we'll put it in uh, the veggies later. Now, when I had that initial accident, this is why it was so important to me, is my, my mouth was wired shut. It was a drinking accident, as you may or may not know. It was a fall, and my mouth was wired shut. It was during Thanksgiving and Christmas. That was torture. It was a really hard time. There's worse things that people have been through. I get it, but for me, that was really hard. I remember there was a Burger King commercial. And I don't even, I'm not even a BK guy, but there was a Whopper, just like rotating, and there was like holiday music behind it. And I, I, I found myself in tears as a 23-year-old man Looking at that Whopper, just knowing I haven't had anything in my mouth in weeks on end. Just drinking Ensure. Um, because that's why I'm so into smoothies these days, because I never had a smoothie in that time. I was drinking Ensure for two months. And long story less long, that was a Christmas low. Certainly a Christmas low for me to not be able to eat and be wired up and really have a lot of shame from a drinking accident like that. I fell from a balcony. It wasn't an automobile accident. It was just me and myself and the pavement. And uh, Yeah. That was a Christmas slow. I wonder if you've had a Christmas slow in seasons past. In fact, as I crumble this meat, uh, I'd love for you to maybe share a Christmas slow. It can be something that is pretty tremendous, like a loss, uh, a lost opportunity. There could have been a breakup at some point. Um, it could be a tragedy. It could be something as simple as just not getting what you want don't judge it but just share hey what is a christmas low that you've had you've experienced in the past take a moment just share that with others while i crumble some meat and we'll do this briefly not overshare just a brief christmas low we've shared a christmas low what do you think the next question's going to be bridget a christmas high right that is intuitively what would be the next question what is a Christmas high? All right, guys, I'm up. I'm up. My turn. My turn. You're done. This is a lesson in going quicker next time. Um, you're doing good. Hey, check out the meat. Does the meat look good and crumbled? It smells good. Outside. Smells good, right? So yeah, you want to crumble that meat. It's a saute function in the Instant Pot. Usually I like using a hot burner with a fire flame, but this is what we're working with indoors, and I feel safe with that. Um, Christmas high, as Bridget noted, would be the next question. That's not the question I want to ask you. I want you to think of a question, a Christmas memory where you experience, greatly experienced the presence of God. Which, that, yes, that is the Christmas high. Right? Like, I get that, like Andy, that's true. But share a memory where you greatly experienced the, uh, the presence of God. And it may be something where you got along with your siblings, or you saw people in your family get along, or your kids, etc. Um, for my Catholic brothers and sisters, midnight mass was always a presence of God moment for us. Middle of the night, 12:30 a.m., singing hymns. I loved it. Uh, maybe your Christmas low is an experience where you ex- greatly experienced the presence of God. Christmas low is where you greatly experience the presence of God. Perhaps you were alone, and all you had was God. So share a memory or a moment or memory in history where that happened. And I'm going to add some veggies in it, and they're going to sweat a little bit. So you're going to take a moment and share with you. And the veggies, you add them, and they sweat for about 10 or 15 minutes. You guys like heat? Everybody like heat? Okay, I'm going to do heat. Okay. So yeah, this is the way church in the first century was. There was food and conversation. Communion was mixed with a meal. And we're starting a new series called Breaking Bread, Uh, communing with God together. Um, And what are you thinking about? Like, how do you mix communion, which feels like an Easter thing with a Christmas thing? It doesn't make any sense. Well, communion symbolizes the incarnation. It really does. That God was taken from heaven. He self-exiled himself to humanity. Perfection came into imperfection. God in the flesh, God with us, Jesus lived a life of gratitude, that he gave thanks Everything he did was in response to God's love, to the Father's love, to the relationship that God gave him as his son. Fully God, fully human. There's a mystery in all that I'm talking about. He experienced brokenness on the cross, yes, but also the brokenness that is shared among humanity. Stigma, ridicule, desertion, abandonment, hungering probably for a relationship in his humanity, but knowing his calling to singleness. I may sound blasphemous, but we cannot forget that Jesus was fully human. And that he, but he fully, as a fully God, fully human, he perfectly lived in relationship with God. And that ultimately he was given to others via the Holy Spirit up on the cross. That is the incarnation. That's what it speaks to. That's what Christmas is about. We just spent a series called Footsteps. Remember that one? Pretty good series. I liked it. And it was about us walking in Jesus' footsteps. Well, Advent is really about God walking in our shoes. That God came to humanity to experience everything we experience. That God decided to walk on our shoes for a season. He entered into the creation that he made to live in the human experience. And there are general principles, ubiquitous themes that we see in the act of communion. That takenness, that thankfulness, that brokenness, and that givenness that is uh, universal to the human experience that we all experience those things. Now, Jesus, when he experienced them, I'm sure they had a more profound meaning, maybe. Or maybe they had the same meaning when we experienced them fully in the presence of God. There's mystery. I don't even know what I'm talking about because the incarnation is a mystery. But it is a wonderful mystery that we should take note of. And so we can't miss that God walked in our shoes, that whatever you're going through, God knows what you're going through. That our God is not distant. He's certainly not unaware. He's fully aware. He gets it. God gets it. God gets it. Um, So the question I have for you today is we've been talking about Christmas past, and this is more of an internal uh, process question. We've processed externally. This is for the internal people, introverts. What are you carrying today? What are you holding on today in this Christmas season? There is This sense of Christmas where it's like, yes, this is it. The time where we have this rest and peace. And paradoxically, it's also like the most stressful time of year. Like you pile all these things. Like I don't normally write, I mean, full disclosure, I don't really write a lot of thank you cards, but now's the time where now I have this in addition to what I'm doing. It's like time for thank yous so people know I see them. Like there's just a lot of things that we have to do. Gifts, presents, activities, activities. And then there's things we want to get done. So the question really is not what are you carrying with you today, but what do you need to surrender to God today? What may be weighing you down just in life this season? Is there a wound that's weighing you down? Is there a relationship that's hurting? Is there an addiction that you're holding on to? What do you need to surrender to God? We talk about this idea of surrender so that we can be indifferent. Like, Lord, I'm going to give you just even how this chili turns out so that I can be attentive to what you're doing today. Lord, I'm going to give you my day tomorrow so that I can be present with you today. This is the gift of holy indifference. I'm going to give you these veggies that are sweating in here. If it's not 10 minutes, it's okay. But what do you need to surrender to God today? What do you need to give back to God so that you can live more freely? What burden does he want to bear on your behalf? I mentioned those themes. That's essentially the themes that we're going to look at this Taking the bread the giving the thanks or break it, and giving it to him this week we 're talking about takenness and the hope that we have as we live in exile next week is thankfulness, gratitude the shepherd 's peace uh, the seventeenth we 're going to be talking about the beauty of shared brokenness and the joy that comes in that dance of both sorrow and joy and then finally, on the twenty oh, I made a mistake on the twenty fourth we 're going to be talking about how we're given to others, that, that we are the gift to be given. But as I mentioned today, Jesus allowed himself to be taken. And we don't understand the mystery of that, but we can begin to understand it, that he sat on the right hand of God. Jesus is God. The word was with God. The word is God. Uh, that he, he had this place in creation where he was transcendent. His glory is everywhere. And then somehow he became minute, Is that the right word? He became human? I don't get it. But there's something that happened where he allowed himself to be self-exiled, that he limited himself. The scripture said, verse 9, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and though the world was made through him, the world didn't recognize him. He came to that which was his own, but his own did not receive him. He was somehow brought into the world And experienced this exile, that he was taken from his place, and much was taken from him. It's incredible. Paul says this way, that Jesus, he who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his advantage, but rather he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross so one of the things that happens here is you want to make sure I should be able to open it right on the slow cook maybe I got to release it a little bit I got to release it a little bit and then it releases yeah the the reason they sweat is that the flavors invade the meat which is an incredible thing if you're going to try to find parallels between my message and this good luck (laughs) I just was told to do creative things while I preach, and I feel like this is going (laughs) to crescendo well. (laughs) Yes. I got to turn it, right? There it is. There you go. The rest of the themes gratitude, we've talked about it. He lived as the Father's Son, brokenness, he was the man of sorrows. He experienced stigma and humiliations, injuries, headaches, longings, loss, desertion, the list goes on. And given, his life was a gift to us, and he gave his life to others. We live for the sake of others. That's God's design. That's about purpose. And we see that givenness is still happening. Everything we read in John 1 has a past tense except for two words. Shines and gives. It says, through him, all things were made, past tense. In him was life, and that life was the light. He was in the world. The world did not recognize him, past tense. But then it says in verse five, the light shines in the darkness. That's present, active, indicative. That's ongoing. Usually the first tense you learn as you learn a language. And verse nine says, a true light gives. He's one who gives. Gives to everyone who's in the world. And we all have these experiences of being taken. We experience exile. We experience gratitude, and our gratitude when we experience is is meant to point us towards God, to give thanks to God. Wow! We experience brokenness, which points to our need for God, and then gift experiences is a way in which we realize our design. Today is taken. Today is taken. That Jesus allowed himself to be taken from his throne. God came through the birth canal of a young teenage girl who's a few years older than Caitlin uh, in a backwoods province of ancient Palestine, a heated place even today. He he came in one of the most impoverished times to uh, a segregated people who were oppressed minorities, who had short lifespans and very hungry bellies. This is where God allowed himself to be taken. That's the mystery of it, into a dark world and, and the main idea for that and for us to reflect on is that God self-exiled God's self into the disorientation of the world. That's something we're just contemplating. That's the mystery that we contemplate is that God allowed himself to be, who's perfect, God's perfect, allowed himself to enter into the imperfection of the world while remaining perfect. That the light shine on darkness, but it was still dark. And there's disorientation there. That, never mind his life as a refugee or his life learning a rigorous trade or remaining single for so many years in a married world. Uh, childbirth alone. Has anybody experienced childbirth in this room? Madeline women, yeah. It's, it's, it's wild, right? It's wild. I don't know. I can't speak to it. I get it. Courtney and I weren't pregnant. My wife is expecting and I was there. I just want to name that. I didn't carry that baby. I didn't carry the baby. She did. But watching it all go down was nuts. <laughs> it's chaotic. It's disorienting. It's beautiful and wonderful, but it is so wild. Can I get an amen, ladies? I'm speaking in an area that I don't know. Um, yeah. And, and when we think about that, we got to think, why did God allow himself to be taken? Why did God allow himself to be taken? Because he wanted to take hold of us, right? Like that's it. Even that first verse of John 1, where it says, In the beginning was the word, you see God taking hold of the whole world in that moment. Because in the beginning is a throwback to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and earth, and then was the word. That word is a Greek term. That was, a, that was the term of the day. It was like uh, the reason, the principality that governs all things. It's kind of like today when people say, like, I love the universe loves me, or you know, the essence is there. John's writing, well, in the beginning was the word and the essence, the universe, anything that you're looking for points to Jesus who allowed himself to be taken, to be self-exiled so that he could take hold of you, so that he could take hold of you. And then it speaks to this process. It talks about his disorientation. Uh, Yet to all who did receive him, he said, oh, he came to his own, but his own did not receive him. That's disorienting. But to who did receive him, to those who believed his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And then children born not of natural descent, nor of human decision or husband's will, but born of God. And so now we have our process where God is taking hold of us, and we're going to talk about our own takenness that it's not the way in which the world does it. It's, it's a disorienting takenness. It's the work of the Spirit, a work that he says later on in John 3. 8, he says, man, this wind, this Spirit blows wherever it pleases. You hear it sound, but you can't tell where it comes from, where it's going. So it is of everyone born in the Spirit. When you are taken, when God takes hold of you, it's disorienting. It's wild because it breaks down all your constructs. You're invited into a kingdom that flips your world upside down. I don't wanna say it's chaotic, because when you say yes to Jesus, when you and I say yes to Jesus, it's a peaceful decision, but it also has its own unbridled nature, its own fury. People would write songs about furious love, but fury nonetheless, rooted in love. It's untamed when God takes hold of you. It's like, whoa, everything around you changes. When you say yes to God, you're entered into the kingdom, start changing. You recognize you're not alone, but you can't take hold of the old ways anymore. In fact, you recognize that the old ways are some of the ways that were killing you, that things that you thought were giving you life were actually killing you, your addictions, your securities, your idols. Relationships kind of change a little bit and you're trying to navigate all that. Activities change. It's like As if a veil's been lifted. It's disorienting when God grabs a hold of you. It's like the light has been turned on. You ever in a room at night and it's completely dark and somebody, whether you're a kid or adult, they turn the light on. Initially, you wince. Initially, it almost even hurts because you're like, whoa. Things where you thought they were going to be aren't there anymore. And you're starting to see everything come into its true focus and see the world as it really is. There's paradoxes in life that are actually the greatest gospel truths there is. Like for me to love Garrett, I don't have to show him that I'm better than him. I only have to come in underneath him. For me to commune with others, I can give of myself and give and it's better than receiving. For me to show love, I actually can cry and show weakness and that actually is very, very strong. The veil has been lifted. The lights have been turned on. I want to add the sauce now. So we've got the meat that's crumbled, right? I left the fat in there because it's pretty tasty. The the veggies have, um, they sweated. So that means they've married a little bit of the meat. So now I'm going to add the crushed tomatoes. And I did put this in the Vitamix with the jalapenos, It might be kind of hot. I haven't tested it. We'll see. We'll see. Some people like it. Who likes it really hot and spicy? Come on, B. I see you, baby. I see you, Abby. Anybody else? Hubert? Jen? Yeah, I know you, Jen. So I'm going to let that marry for a bit. There's got to be something in this analogy. I'm just like searching for it right now. (laughs) It's got to be. But when God takes hold of us, it is so wildly different than what we used to know. And it's meant to be different. And that's, that's the second reflection today is that um, it's right there. When God takes hold of us, we enter into an initial disorientation of the kingdom. When you become born of God, there's a sense of newness that comes from that, a spiritual awareness that the world is not as it seemed. There's also a battle for your soul that's disorienting when you say yes to God. That's being taken so yeah, we got this sauce in here. And God allowed himself to be taken, and he had a lot taken from him in the season that he lived humanity. Um, and through God, through God's love, he takes us home. And sometimes there's stuff taken away from us as we say yes to God. Sometimes the Lord gives and the Lord takes away as we say yes to God. And that is a sobering truth because God knows what's best for us. There's aspects of our life, there's old ways of being, there's old medications that we've had that God wants to remove for your own good. And it can feel like exile, having your medications pruned. But the upside-down kingdom wants healing for you, wants good for you, wants joy, ultimate lasting joy. I have a friend of mine, Josh, uh, he's my best friend. I mean, I say you all are my best friend. It's true. I would say he's my lifelong buddy. And we met at five years old. I had my big wheels. He had his bike. I was still learning. Didn't get to ride a bike till I was seven. And he and I, like, had so much life together. His parents, he was my Protestant side and my Catholic side. And uh, it was a great time. And uh, we, I'm going to add the beans now. We kind of discovered Jesus together. We'd go to prayer retreats. I think we did, like, eight altar calls as a kid because his parents were really into that, which I have some thoughts about that in terms of all that. But in the end, it's pretty sweet. And uh, yeah, we discovered God together, and we've had our ups and downs in the faith. I, I tend to drink early in my 20s, and somehow alcohol got a hold of him in his 30s and 40s. And he decided four years ago to stop drinking. He just sensed the call that he was medicating at night. His relationship with those he loved um, was being interrupted by alcohol. And then the, after every week, he would look forward to the party in order to self-cope. And he just knew God was calling this away from him. And it, it's been a disorienting journey. If you ever talk to anybody like an alcoholic, they, they still consider themselves an alcoholic because there's a sense of instability in their sobriety. It's like, man, I, and that's a good thing because we need to depend on our support. And our support is God who is with us but the weekends can still be very disorienting for him after four years. So as I kind of come to a close of this message and as this food cooks, I, I, I want to talk about this series being breaking bread together because this message is fine. It's great, whatever. It's fine, good message, whatever. We'll remember the chili and all that stuff. But what matters more is the conversations you have with others during chili. Because the question I have for you today, and this is a vital question. We're going to have another song and we're going to eat chili dogs, cornbread that Garrett and and Courtney brought. Um, It's really dope. Someone brought this idea, we should eat food together, right? That's kind of like what this is. We're doing eating food together. What matters when we eat food together is the conversations we have. And you and I are going to be so tempted to talk about everything but the following. And I'm going to challenge you to talk about this with others. What is something that God may be removing you from? And or what is something that God may want to remove from your life? What, how is takenness applied in your life now? What does God want to take you out of? And or what may God be wanting to take away from you? Make sense? This is about surrender and allowing ourselves to again follow Jesus who first walked in our footsteps to be taken and allow and take in us to take root in our lives. So I'm gonna invite you all to this next steps. Um, to take a Christmas tree tag, that's gonna be in the hallway out there for people in need. Support the movement. By the way, it seems like hard these days to like give, doesn't it? It's like really hard, because like in prices, all that stuff. I just wanna say I see you and I recognize that and I feel it too, by the way. So I'm just asking uh, in kindness with understanding, but I wanna recognize it is hard. We have a Christmas concert next week. If you haven't RSVP'd, we really want to know where you're going to be and how you're going to show up so we can make sure we're all in the right spot so we have it all spread out well. And then the last thing is to share what God may be taking away from you or taking you away from over a chili dog. Amen? Why are we eating? That's a great question. Because in the early church, in the apostolic era, they had love feasts, which is... That's not, initially that sounds a little weird, right? But it's agape, it's not eros, it's agape feast, sacrificial love. that the Eucharist was meant to be combined with a meal. And then through bureaucracy as it does, both inside the church and outside the church, the turtical traditions, they've lost that, which is okay. I love church every Sunday, but it's like, why not eat together and share what God's doing today. How about that, okay? So we're going, we're just doing a call back to the way it was in the first century when Christians met together. It's validated in scripture, 1 Corinthians 11, Jude 2. It's all there. Not Jude 2, but Jude 9. And so, yeah, we're going to eat together and share what God's doing. Amen? So, Lord, we live, we live in a world that's not as it should be. And, Lord, you were perfect you came into perfection. You grabbed the hold of us. We, were, we are imperfect, God, and yet you see us perfectly by your blood, by your body broken, and even in the midst of our imperfection, God, you're working. Actually, especially in light of our imperfection, you're working, God. So tell us how you're working. Is there something in our lives that you, you're trying to prune? Is there something in our lives that you may want to add? Give us the freedom to process with our brothers and sisters, a gift that you've given us. Another tangible expression of God with us. But Lord, we, we give you praise, God, that you allowed yourself to be taken from your place, your rightful place. You gave up honor and standing and privilege so that you can walk with me and walk with my sisters and brothers here. Lord, we, we pray for hope. Today is the candle of hope. That even in the midst of being taken, in the midst of experiencing exile, that we would live as your people lived with hope that you would redeem us even in the midst of disorientation, in the midst of the pain. Help us to be honest and vulnerable, not knowing it all, but knowing you clearly and fully through this moment, Lord. If not fully, at least truly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.